Hello, mighty warriors of God, and welcome to MI15. Today is Tuesday, May 9th, 2023, and this is day 1875 of our journey together. Thank you so, so much for tuning into our podcast. My name is Jackie, and welcome, welcome, welcome to you. So let's go ahead and get started. Father, we glorify you and praise you and thank you so much for creating this brand new beautiful day just for us. Help us, Lord, to not take any moment of it for granted. Help us to go forth and do every single thing you've given us for today. I thank you for comforting the brokenhearted and healing the sick and blessing those who might be in financial need. I ask, Father, that you will speak today, that it be all about you and not about me. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God, everybody. Thank you again for tuning in. Today's message is getting beyond ourselves. Yep. (laughs) It's not about us. My daughter and I was talking about this yesterday, and the Lord just gave me this to share. So uh, yeah, it's not about me. It's about the big picture that God has uh, in store, what he has planned. So I'm going to be coming out of 1 Samuel chapter 25, starting at verse 2, all the way through uh, verse 39. 1 Samuel 25, starting at verse 2 through verse, <clears throat> through verse 39. It says, A certain man in Maon who had property there at Carmel, was was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband was surly and um, mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. Uh, and also Nabal's name meant fool. And I think it's going to say that uh, somewhere else here in, in the scripture. It says, while David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent 10 men and said to them, go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, long life to you, good health to you and your household and good health to all that is yours. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants and they will tell you. Therefore, be favorable toward my men since we come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. Then they waited. Nabal answered David's servants, Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men coming from who knows where? David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, Each of you 
strap on your sword. So they did, and David strapped on his as well. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. David was extremely angry because David took care of his men when it was sheep shearing time and protected them, as he said. And now this man is treating David uh, horribly, unfairly. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us the whole time we were out in the fields near them. Nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us the whole time we were herding our sheep near them. Now, think it over and see what you can do because disaster is heading over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. So now this servant is, you know, he's he's admitting he's sharing with Abigail, the wife. Yes, David took care of us. Now, because of your husband, we're all about to die. Verse 18, Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five seas of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, and 200 cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. As she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending toward her, and she met them. David had just said, it's been useless, all my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely. And if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. So David's speaking about himself in the third person. Okay, he's saying if David, you know, uh, leaves one person alive, uh, he's he's very uh, emphatic about this. He's saying, I'm going to do this. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention to my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool and folly goes with him. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord uh, be like Nabal. She's saying they will be like fools. And let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles. 
and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. So this is like part two. Okay, part three. She first introduced herself. She she let him know my husband who's a fool was wrong. Then she said, I've got here. Let me give you uh, this food. You know, hey, let me just do that. Now she's telling David about himself. All right. This woman is extremely wise. Verse 29, it says, even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. Another smart move, but she's being, you know, led of God as she is speaking. She is speaking uh, to David in his language. A sling. David used a slingshot to kill Goliath. When the Lord was fulfilled by for my Lord, uh, when the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord, every good thing he promised concerning him and his has appointed him ruler over Israel. She's speaking of him being now king over Israel, that God is going to do this. My Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord success, remember your servant. She's prophesying to him and saying, you don't want this bloodshed on your hand when you become king. And and then, you know, when God does bless you, remember me. <laughs> David said to Abigail, praise be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Praise the Lord. He himself yielded and even said because of you, your wisdom that God sent you, I'm not going to do this. At first, remember how emphatic he was about that? He said, you know, um, I it, let it be. Uh, the only thing that could keep him basically from doing this would be God. He said, because I'm going out to kill these men. Verse 34 says, otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel is, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly, to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. By daybreak. He had a timeline. <laughs> oh, man. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. When Abigail went to Nabal, he was in the house holding a banquet like that of a king. He was in high spirits and very drunk. So she did nothing. She told him nothing uh, at all until daybreak. Then in the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things, and his heart failed him, and he became like a stone. About 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal. And he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise be to the Lord who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He has kept his servant from doing wrong and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. That is why God says vengeance is 
mine, I will repay. God will take care of our enemies in his own way, in the way he chooses, and whatever way he chooses is the best way. Then David sent word to Abigail, asking her to become his wife. And of course she went because she, remember, she said, remember me, your servant. Woo, powerful, isn't it? It's one of my favorite uh, Bible truths. Man, oh man, I love it. Favorite, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Point number one, have you ever missed what God was showing you because you were either so upset or hurt by the way you were being treated? It's happened to me several times until I finally learned it's not about me. I mean, I still have moments, don't get me wrong, but I have to shake myself and say, okay, all right, Lord, please forgive me. Help me to get back on track because it's not about me. It's about God's perfect plan, his timing and his will. Understanding that I, I am an instrument he's using to accomplish his plan. That's exact, exactly what Abigail was, a vessel God used to save many lives, even her own. Abigail was an effective counselor to both of the men in her life, working hard to, to prevent them from making rash moves. By her swift action and skillful negotiation, she kept David from taking vengeance upon Nabal. She saw the big picture and left plenty of room for God to handle the situation. What blessings are you possibly blocking because of your self-centeredness? I know that might sound harsh, but it's real. It's true. When we begin to think it's all about us, we're, we're being self-centered. We can't see anything else around us because we're so caught up in well, look at what's happening to me. And and it's, you know what? And it's legitimate. <laughs> I get it. In their case, they were all about to die. It is a legitimate concern. But our focus needs to be on what is God doing through me right now? What would God have for me to do right now? Point number two. So often we block God, God from certain parts of our lives. We do only what feels comfortable, maybe thinking as long as it doesn't take me out of my comfort zone, I'll do it or or that's too much. I don't have time for all that. Or you might think I'm too tired. Let someone else do it. You might notice it, but you're like, no, that's not for me to handle. <laughs> my husband and I was talking about this the other day. If we notice it, then God is showing us that that's something he wants us to do. We don't need to wait on anybody else. Just like Abigail, she moved quickly. She didn't say, well, let me let the leader of the army or the leader of my of uh, my servants take care of it. No, she saw it. Her servant told her and she got busy. And this was a woman. Typically, women didn't do things like this back in those days. That's a whole nother picture, a whole nother story. But God is calling you to do it. And if he calls you to do it, he will equip you with everything you need to do the job with excellence. He will equip you mentally, physically, and spiritually. Trust God and allow him to use you to accomplish great things today. <laughs> I'm telling you, 
Take this and run with it. Whatever God is giving you, this is your day. I'll never forget several years ago in my early 20s, uh, probably in my 30s, maybe early 30s. And uh, the only church I had belonged to <laughs> my early 20s and and I had been there a few years by that time, my children and I and and uh, my husband would come a few times a year, but, you know, he would say, but now, hey, whole nother story. We're in church together. But anyway, while we were, while I was there, I remember there was an issue with getting someone to drive the church van. The person that used to drive it on Wednesday nights to pick up people for Bible study was no longer able to do it or something had happened and he couldn't do it anymore. Now, typically it was men that always drove the van. And I'm sitting there, you know, while the pastor is, you know, conversating with everybody saying we need some a volunteer to drive the van or a deacon or whoever was talking to us. And nobody was volunteering. And I'm thinking, what do these men need to do that? And the Lord said, no, you, I'm calling you to do that. And I'm like, whoa, me, I'm a woman. <laughs> me drive the church van It's usually men that do it. And so I yielded. I said, okay, I'll do it. And anything I would do back uh, during those days when my kids were younger, it had to be something that they can go with me as well and be a part of it. So we were going to church anyway on Wednesday night, but instead of taking our car, I just drove the van. That meant sacrificing of time. I had to get home from work or whatever I was doing on Wednesday night, get busy, get the kids fed, get on that van an hour before, before I would normally go. It was taking me out of my comfort zone and I would pick up the people. Uh, and then there was this one special group I would pick up. There was a grandma who was raising her grandchildren and some of their friends would come over. So every Wednesday night, they lived across the street from my mom. They would come running out to get on the van. They loved going to children, to youth group. And uh, it was probably a good six to seven kids. Five of them were the grandmother's kids. And then a couple of them were the friends of the kids. And we would, they were like, take us home last, take us home last. <laughs> Whenever we were, uh, when I was taking people home and they just had a good time. My kids had a good time with them. And, uh, you know, and I taught youth group at the time. And so I got to know these kids very well. And then something devastated happened, devastating happened. The five kids' grandmother passed away. She died. And I remember that my mom called me one day and said, come over quickly. Their mother is here. And the mother had not been there for years or off and on maybe because she had been strung out on drugs for a long time. And she said she's sitting outside and she is heartbroken and uh, come over and, you know, share Jesus with her, basically. And I went over quickly, you know, from my house, and which was way out south, and drove over and, and sat outside with her, introduced myself, and she accepted Jesus Christ that day. And her life was forever changed. And to sum up the very long story, there's so much to this. This woman uh, was delivered from drugs. It took some years, uh, a few years of us, you know, being uh, consistent and sticking it out with her and her being willing. And uh, she uh, was delivered from the drugs, her and her children. This was some years later. Now the children had gotten older. One of them was an adult by then. And they started coming to 
the church. And that by that time, I was at a different church, at my parents' church. And, and then this mother started bringing her grandchildren. She even had grandchildren uh, by, that, by that time. It is such an amazing full circle. But that big picture, remember, I didn't want to drive that van. But look what God had in, in store, right? Just from, you know, think about that in your life. The one thing God has given you to do, and you might be apprehensive because of whatever the situation, but just do it. You will be amazed of the whole picture, what God has in store uh, for you and for really, especially more so from all the other people that are going to be blessed by your obedience. Now, if you don't know Jesus, that would be the first step. Romans 10 and 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Glory to God. The angels are rejoicing in heaven because another person accepted Jesus as their savior. I love you all so very much. May the Lord bless and protect you. May his face radiate with joy because of you. May he be gracious unto you, show you his favor and give you his peace. In Jesus name, amen. And remember, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And don't forget to check us out on our website, JackieBikesMinistries.org, J-A-C-K-I-E-B-Like-Boy-U-Y. CKSMinistries.org. Check out the messages and please share them with others. That's another way God will use you to be a blessing to others by sharing this word with others. And don't forget to check us out on tzokc.org to learn more about what we're doing with our youth, teaching them life skills, workforce skills, entrepreneurship development, peer mediation, and human and sex trafficking awareness, and DIY uh, projects, teaching our youth how to do small household repairs. Oh man, we are so grateful to each and every one of you for your support and your prayers and your donations. All right, mighty warriors, go forth and make it an awesome day, fulfilling the purpose that God has given you. And I will talk to you later. Bye-bye.